Welcome back to the Joshua Shaw audio experience. Firstly, thank you for giving me a bit of your attention. I'm honored you trusted me with it, and I promise to return the favor by giving you a ton of edutainment value back. I want to welcome you back to another episode of what I've branded Pivotal, since these interview-style segments tackle impactful CPG industry topics and lessons from the business leaders that live it every day. My guest on this episode is a really great friend of mine, Ronick Shaw, who is the co-founder and CEO of the fast-growing Nutri-Cosmetic brand, Obvi. Ronick and I talk a lot about the Obvi online community, like how it was built, what they've done to keep it thriving past 50,000 members, and why it's the most important brand asset they own. We also break down the mechanics of how Obvi has been able to launch so many different SKUs with being a 100% bootstrap brand. That includes some kind of cheat codes that Obby has stumbled on that helps them improve their cash conversion cycle. These are just a few of the interesting topics in this episode, but before we get started, I did want to give a quick shout out to the sponsor of today's content, Parker. While sexy brand storytelling and sleek products are important, it's those boring parts like finance that makes or breaks CPG brands. Parker is an all-in-one financial solution that tracks your financial metrics, e-commerce campaign profitability, and pays all of your business expenses with a card that can keep up with your growth. As a strategy consultant working with some of the fastest-growing CPG brands in the industry, I love integrating Parker because it allows my clients to scale ads without shutoff risk, purchase inventory in bulk with flexible payment terms, and higher limits. This is all possible because Parker gives you a limit up to $5 million and net 60 days to pay back all transactions with no interest or fees. They basically 4x the credit duration of Brex or Amex cards at no cost. If you're interested in learning more about how Parker makes e-commerce growth easier, head over to getparker.com or reach out to me directly and I'll connect you with the relevant team member to set up your $500 sign-up bonus for this month. But without further delay, here is my recent conversation with the co-founder and CEO of Obvi, Ronick Shaw. So Ronick, appreciate you joining me. Just to give some people maybe a little bit of background, um, we've known each other for a few years. Uh, I think yep. since you started Obvi, pretty much like in the first couple of months, I've been, I guess, lucky enough to see Obvi's evolution, both from kind of being like an outside spectator um, and being, I guess, a little bit inside and being able to mold some of the strategy and things like that as well. Yeah. So I, I guess I have a unique understanding of your business and kind of what you're dealing with and what's going on. But this is all about you. This is all about, you know, you, you kind of have the spotlight here and hopefully we could talk through some of your kind of decisions throughout Obby's both creation and evolution and explain why those things have been super important to you guys um, becoming, you know, such an important part of the growing Nutri-Cosmetic market. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you for having me on because, uh, it's a pleasure to where you're always consuming somewhere you're always consuming content from. It's nice to also be part of the content, you know, not that you didn't cover already, but the part of, you know, helping us and, and coming internally and helping us mold a lot of our strategy, you know, it's, 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 there's so many pieces of it that even today, 
the just decision making processes um, are, are, are so much related to the, the conversations you had with us, the way you guided us, the way we 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 we, we kind of look at pieces. So um, I think it's gonna be a really cool conversation because it's 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 gonna have a little bit of depth into it that's gonna be unique. Um, so I'm excited. I'm humbled that you have you know thought so highly of the stuff that we we kind of went through, but want to talk about at least and you've heard this a ton of different times, but I've said like the Avi community to me is the special sauce behind the brand. And I want to talk about, you know, that as this idea of maybe even, you know, community as a service as this like, you know, this important part that has so many different things that become these like veins within the business and, and touches so many different things. So want to talk about, and you, you kind of just shared this, I think, on your, your social media the other day um, when you were sharing a text message, I think, conversations between one of your co-founders, Ashvin, and like, you you are intentional about, or I guess, thinking about building a community right off the bat, correct? Yeah, 100%. Um, I think because of our previous experiences, right, being in the in the territory of, of being part of other CPG brands, more on the employee end, we got to see where there was a lot of smoke in the mirrors, right? And and one of the things that we always saw were comments made around, yeah, we listen to our customers, or we love our customers, or we have this community. And you're kind of like, you know, when you're on the back end of it, you're like, wait, where? Where is that all? You know. Um, and so for us, one of the biggest pieces for Obvi was we're going to obviously build this, build this brand off of things we learned not to do. And one of those things is, is if we're going to claim we have something, it's going to be in the most possible tangible format um, and, and, and creating that group as simple as it was initially, right? Which is, hey, if you want to do this, um, let's go and click create group on Facebook. Um, to what it's turned into today, almost all of it was intentional. The, the how the growth happened was what was unpredictable because of, of just, you know, scaling patterns and whatnot. Like you said, everybody, be it years before or currently, it's all about building a community and most fall flat on their face in terms of actually doing that. They, they, they talk it, but they don't walk it um, type of a situation. Yeah. And I, I think community as a whole in the, you know, functional CPG categories, be it, um, you know, supplements or, you know, more of the functional food and beverages, it's extremely important to have something that is above and beyond just the product because a product, it's only as good as the full, I guess, routine or system that is built around somebody's intent or goal, you know, they could take that right. product, but if they don't change anything else, they don't get the support they need, they don't get any of that, they're not going to be successful. And I think the community that you guys have built, it provides these women, and I'm going to say primarily women, because that's where the majority of yeah. your, your buyer group is, even though these products can be taken by both genders. I think that like they go there and they get that extra bit that will help them figure out how to utilize the products best, maybe how to get through some of maybe life's challenges to right. you know, get that rest of the stuff above and beyond the product. Um, and, yeah. and I find that is extremely special. And when you can do that in these types of categories, you get a ton of benefit from it. It's funny because you touched on, you know, um, that they're going there and they're, 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 you know, getting little pieces of what will probably give them assurance. 
and it was someone's I forget I forget who it was but someone mentioned something and it was such a good metaphor it was it was you know it was our community serves as insurance for these customers and it was um um I actually believe it might have been Nomit um but it, it was it, you mentioned you know it, it's it's this insurance piece where it's like you bought into something okay let's say you go buy a car right you can go drive and have fun with that car and you think you'd be getting these pleasures. But if something goes wrong or you hit a hiccup or you're uncertain of how something's going to go or this road trip's going to go, one thing that you know you have in your back pocket is you have Geico, right? You're insured and you're in this like bubble that's like, hey, if I got something wrong, at least I have someone in my back. And, and truly, I think these women, um, because they're majority women, go to this community and it's like, am I here for an issue or am I here to maybe get a little bit more information about things that I can, you know, fix up or do differently? Or am I truly here to just find out something completely new and unique about Obvi? And all these different dynamics are literally can be seen through almost every five to 10 posts. They're completely different emotions and dynamics, but the way they weld together I think it's the true definition of community because community does not, it is, it's fully agnostic to what you're there for. They're there for you for anything that you need them there for. So that part I think is really cool to see come together. Yeah. And I think that's part of maybe why the community's thrived this long as well, because there's a lot of people that start be it Facebook communities offline, whatever it is, and it kind of dies out over time. And I think that because there's so many different dynamics that go on in that group, it's not just, Let's ask a question about the products, yeah. which you know they do, but there's so many other layers, deeper layers than that, that helps both the brand and just like the support of the community that kind of like flywheels it together and gets it even more powerful. And it's, I think, important part of, I think, you guys and, and, and how thoughtful that you guys have approached the community is that you've also let it be or like very transparent, very organic, the good, bad, the ugly. If there's somebody in the group um, or a community that's saying something that is, you know, less than stellar about the product or something, you guys don't quickly delete it out of there and try to scrub right. it out quickly. You, you approach it as, Hey, this is a customer that has an issue or a problem. We need to kind of diffuse this and try to figure out where our processes, our product, what, what went wrong and how do we right. kind of correct it? And not only do you guys do that, but like community members also kind of get involved as well and try to help that along. And I think that that's a big part of maybe why it's thrived and it's grown and it's like continuously improved over time is because you guys just let the machine kind of do its thing, you know, and you don't try to like you paint a broad, bright brush over it and say like, oh, everything's happy and everything is whatever, because that's not right. the reality of life, I don't think. When the community was smaller, we, those those attacks would feel a little bit um, deeper, right? The wounds, like, oh man, like someone's gonna see this, and you you almost have to, and we'd be lying to you if we were like, no, just keep it there every single time. There's so many times you're like, oh man, this one is snowballing. And one of the things that we made sure is when that snowball effect's happening, and when that web is being created, there are people from our team, including Ash or I who are in there providing solutions like you mentioned. And so now, yes, something has been exposed that could be negative, but when we're actively giving you solutions, whether here's how to take it differently, here's what to do differently, worst case, if you still don't like it, send it back to us, we'll give you your money back. 
I think, again, it's that it's almost like, again, giving all of the formats of insurance, right? Like, you know, don't worry, you have a deductible. Don't worry. If this happens, you've got a coverage. You have this. Don't worry. And I think now it's turned into if something bad does come, our tone has changed to, oh, this one's going to be fun. Let's um, let's let's bring out all the guns. Right. And let's bring out all the stuff we've acquired in terms of, oh, this works here. This doesn't work here. Let's answer it this way. And uh, we actually enjoy answering some of the negativity just as much as the positive stuff now. Well, I think any customer that is passionate enough to state what went wrong with the product is actually extremely powerful for any brand because so true. it at least gives you the opportunity to see what's wrong and correct that. The worst thing is when somebody dislikes something and doesn't say a word. So you don't know. <laughs> You don't know they're out there. You don't know how to fix it. You don't know anything yep. like that. Th that's by far the worst. I think that people are fearful sometimes with the loudest voices that maybe are negative, but really they're just want to be heard. They want a solution to their problem. And when you provide that to them, they end up becoming, you know, fans, advocates, yep. you know, th they have some of that brand affinity because you've actually taken the time out of your day or yep. a team member has taken out of, to actually correct that issue in their mind and, yeah. and it's super powerful but it, it does scare you know a lot of people and i think now that you have you know thousands ten thousand hundred you know thousands of customers it's like at the end those voices are few and far between it doesn't hurt as much but when you're first starting yes. out you know if you have one within the first 10 it's like oh as an entrepreneur you feel it because you're like yeah this yeah. is my baby and this is i'm so right. passionate about it yeah no, I, I love what you just said. I think it's such a powerful statement of the customers that are active enough and feel powerful enough to say something that was wrong could be some of your most powerful customers um, because they, they're, they're, some may come off as complaining, but truly they want to know, one, are they alone? And two, if they're not alone, did someone else get a solution to this? Because they really do want to use the product. And I think that part is so true and so powerful. And I think in a world where we kind of shrug at retention rates and churn rates equally, yeah, this is where it's so important to explore communities because, you know, when we look at retention, right, we look at it as a percentage, like, what are you at? Uh, between 30, 40. All right. Sounds good. Well, what about the 60 to 70? Why isn't the actual narrative oh shit, well, where did the other 60 to 70% go, right? We're so worried about, oh, what's retention today? 35%. Okay, well, why 65% of people didn't come back? And those, if you give those people that 65% a platform to possibly communicate, whether it's through surveys, it doesn't always have to be a Facebook community, but just give them a place to communicate their you know, deepest, darkest fears and, and true hatreds of your product, it can truly help you navigate the next steps to get towards that. Um, same thing with subscription businesses, right? Like, you know, like people are always talking about, oh, well, here's my churn rate, right? Okay, well, good, good for you. That's a great percentage ratio-wise, but like, what, what's the reason people are churning? And we, th there's far less talks about the reason why a negative is happening to the business. And far more about how did this metric, how, how well did this metric did and, and what you did to get there. And I think there needs to be a little bit more light on there. And sometimes 
you know, you need to internalize and do it your own way. And I think that's what the community is for us. Want to transition to another, I think, positive or you know, value generating thing from being so kind of close to your community and, and getting a ton of inspiration from customers. And that's around, you know, this idea of like demand side innovation or just the idea of like, you know, actually listening and getting inspiration from the customers for new product development or really yeah. anything in the organization. But I think it's a it's a really good use in the new product development type of um, area. And, you know, yourself, your co-founders, like you guys are males, you have a female centric brand. Yeah. Like, again, these products aren't necessarily unique. The journeys in health and wellness are not necessarily all that unique. You know, you can right. kind of draw those things. You guys have powerful female voices in your office to, you know, offset maybe some of that bias. But I think it's extremely important to, you know, take and listen to your guys's customer because of maybe some of those dynamics and maybe talk through yeah. like how you guys have approached making sure that you are, you know, creating innovations that the customers actually want to need over just, you know, kind of misinterpreting some market data and saying like, oh, you know, this is, this is a product I think yeah. they're gonna like. I often sometimes oversimplify this. Um, and I think it, it's not as simple, but what initially went from, hey, we only have a finite amount of capital. We're not backed by money. You know, we're, we're bootstrapped. We have to make sure every decision we take here is a short bet or near short bet at least. So what initially turned from, hey, why don't we actually try and find out what the next short bet will be, right? By asking our customers turned into, wait, if we do this every time, we could literally hit home runs every single time. And I think that shift started happening when it became so much easier for us to make the decision to say, let's bring out more, let's launch more. Capital is coming in, cash infusion is good. And you know we're creating a negative cash conversion cycle. Why don't we keep this up? And it turned into, you know, so initially, just trying to find out what the next labor should be to our collagen launch to like, what should be our entire product lineup? And now what, I think 40 something SKUs later, every single SKU after our first two uh, were decided by our customer base and community. And the, the simplified methodology to it was, we simply created a type form um, survey and we sent it to every single customer and subscriber and said, hey, what's, next for Avi, it would be four to five questions. It would streamline them finite amount of options with, but still a lot of options across flavor variations, product types, even category expansions. And we let them choose what it would be. What was really cool about this piece was we first of all gave them options that were possible, right? So you don't want to let them say, hey, well, I want Avi to launch unicorns. Right, um, because that's not possible. So we made them, we gave them possible options. And when we showed them that the winning choice is launching in three weeks or winning choice is launching in six months, this created a huge trust factor that started developing between doing, between taking the action of completing the survey with honorable answers and saying, hey, if, 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 they, if this actually becomes a top choice, they're really gonna bring this out. So the excitement layer, right? 
So survey has, has, has surveys have sin, like have have been synonymous to like ah, oh, I got to do the satisfaction thing again. Like all right, let's flip through it to now where okay, so I'll be rolling out the survey for the quarter. Like ladies, we need to get serious about this. What are we picking, right? And when it turned to that, you completely build a consumer centric brand, and you're just so excited doing it. Yeah, when they get ownership into the process, um, it becomes yeah. so powerful for anybody i mean there's a sense of pride that comes when yeah, you is. you know you're actually able to do that and you know another thing i was you kind of mentioned in this transition over to you know all the different kind of flavors and of the your kind of keystone product the collagen you know you had this idea like the the drop culture and you were able to kind of make that work both when you were still kind of growing um, but and when you you had some semblance of scale as well, and want you to kind of mention maybe some of the mechanics around like how you're able to do that because I do think that when you're over optimizing, I think sometimes for one you know output or another, you can get blinded by not maybe utilizing some of these really cool strategies. Like as an example, like when obviously you're launching some of these limited like time or seasonal or whatever these types of drops are, you're usually making less of them, your cost per item is more. Um, so then you get a little bit scared at profit margins and things. And if you're only optimizing for that, then you're going to say no every time. But if you think about maybe some of the other positives, it actually can offset that loss of, of kind of gross margin. Yeah, nailed it. Um, you know, for us, this was another thing that kind of inadvertently turned into the main strategy. But it was initially was, hey, we want to launch more flavors. And well, hey, here's all that we can afford. Um, and, you know, those would always come at about a 15 to 20% price increase, right? Because you're running much lower runs. I'm talking 1,000, 1,500 units, right? And what would happen is, is we bring it to market right after a survey would happen. We'd bring out 1,000 or 1,500 units. We would, obviously with the customer base growing, we would sell out anywhere between 24 hours up to maybe seven to 10 days. Okay. Depending on how popular the flavor is. Now what's happening here is, is yes, we've gotten a good infusion of, you know, anywhere between 40, $50,000 in revenue that comes from a thousand units. Right. But what's really, really cool here is we've now sold out. And what happens is the people who missed out because we have this one place called the community where a lot of the feedback is looping back. These limited edition flavors were basically a, a show-off piece yeah. for all these community members that got it to come and say, oh, by the way, I got one. I don't know if you did, but I'm going to let you know how great this is. And once that feedback hit, and then all the people would scramble and say, oh, I want it too, I want it too. And they go to the website and it says, notify me when back in stock. This created such a sensation for a collagen powder. Um, you know, it, it's not even a shoe or anything like that. It's a collagen powder, create a sensation of FOMO, which then led to an increased conversion metric on the restock. So we're doing, so on, you know, on the initial purchase, we have a low cash infusion, right? Because it's, we're spending maybe, you know, call it $10,000 um, to make $40,000 within a small batch of time. 
Now, so you're creating a negative cash conversion cycle because we're able to sell out that product very quickly. But what we're also doing is we're able to create such a large amount of FOMO because we're stocked out that when the restock comes, it's a second layer to our launch. And so imagine basically getting two revenue, for, re revenue periods, two you know, intense revenue periods from one SKU, all because you were able to keep it at a minimal stock, which then created FOMO for something like a, even a, a collagen powder. And I, I always say one thing to everyone is like, if we could do this with collagen powder, can do this with literally anything. And so I think those mechanics were very crucial is, is low cash infusion for us, creating high instant revenue, creating additional FOMO, which was then going to create even higher revenue on the restock. So you're, and then of course with certain finance tools, we're constantly working through this negative cash conversion cycle until of course, you know, um, iOS came around, but uh, uh, we would uh, for topic for another day. Yeah, I mean, I think that you mentioned around FOMO, and I think you know, humans in general are status seeking a lot of times. Yeah. Um, and when you're able to get something that somebody else can't, it provides this, you know, benefit because you want to show it off, and and then yeah. that showing off, like you said, in a community aspect, then gets other people to be excited. They opt in when you come back and and relaunch it, or you just do a, a little restock before you kind of set it out to, to, to see you are, are able to get a huge amount of benefit and that helps sometimes your like most loyal customers get some of these products that nobody else has. And that increases their, you know, status again, like in the community, because, you know, they were quick to click, yeah. you know, and get it as quick as possible. Cause some of those, they would sell out in the first hour. Sometimes it was right. so quick, you know, that's like, Coachella tickets, or that's like the new sneaker on Nike or whatever. Like you said, yeah. I mean, if you could do it with flavored collagen, you know, every brand, if you're building up a lot of these, you know, incremental supporting strategies together, you can do it yeah. too. Now it's obviously you can't just, you know, fire it up and hope it works. You got to have demand to, to be there. But I do think like you mentioned, I mean, if you could do it with collagen powder, you could probably do it with almost anything at this point. Yeah. <laughs> It, and and one one integral piece to this is, and you know, I, I think it often is one of the things that is crucial on the source level is you're going to need to find whatever industry you are in. You're going to need to find the right manufacturer that can support this, right? Um, and 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 I would probably side with the opinion of there is tons of manufacturers in almost every industry now um, because the barrier to entry due to that reason has just, you know, almost been eliminated. So you have to find the right manufacturer that can support this because they're, they're your true engine, right? Everything else that you're doing is, 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 is putting the marketing and pieces together, you know, and then, and then you put the nuts and bolts, such as like we launch at midnight on a Sunday. So we make people get, stay awake on a Saturday night to buy collagen. Those are, those are the kind of the cherry on tops to be like, damn, man, I, like, I got to do this, you know, I got to make this happen. And that's the feeling our consumer gets. But truly, if you go down to the source of how to make this possible, is building this ancillary part of your business. Um, and, 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 you know, the, 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 I guess the, 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 the limited part of your business around a manufacturer that truly can support you.
You've mentioned a few times in this conversation the cash conversion cycle, and I'm a huge believer in in that being almost one of the most important metrics on especially you know an e-commerce CPG brand, but really any CPG brand, and you can really probably say any business um, at that point. But and for maybe those that are not too familiar with the cash conversion cycle, it's really just you know the investment or the cash outlay. Most of the time in CPG, it's going to be inventory. How long that takes to come back as you know cash into your bank, and there are tons of different ways I think to optimize that. There's you know various different ways, but I think you guys have stumbled on a, a pretty innovative or unique way of doing that and it's kind of creating a little bit of like a patchwork of some of these new like fintech solutions to actually extend out you know some of these terms and plug a bunch of these things in together to actually extend your kind of ability to if you can sell those things as quick as possible you actually like you said create a negative cash conversion cycle which is you know by far the gold standard it doesn't happen almost any time I, you know there, this is not a normal thing so if somebody ever does a cash conversion um you know kind of uh, equation and, and says oh we have 37 days and, and that's our like that still could be good um don't expect to have negative 37 yeah, yeah, negative yeah. 24 <laughs> like that doesn't happen very often but i want you to kind of talk through you know i guess a little bit of the framework of how you guys have approached that fintech solution to actually yeah. prove your cash conversion cycle you know, fintech solutions for us came right at the time, and you remember this. I mean, we were struggling through the iOS time, and that struggle was really, really real, especially toward the end of the year. And where fintech came in for us was we were luckily in in a place where, on a margin level, we could afford three to up to five percent margin to be given away in exchange for time. And so where the fintech tools are really, really cool and unique and now almost coming by the abundance where you're able to basically buy yourself time in exchange of a small percentage of interest. Now, as any true finance person, they're probably going to try and annualize that interest. Don't do that. It's going to look like a terrible deal. However, if you're able to afford anywhere between 0% up to 5%, you're able to go and take almost any inventory ad spend or even some top op X expenses and buy up to 120 days on that cycle. What that does is gives you the short-term room for growth while you're also short-term playing around with your money to say, okay, I'm going to spend on inventory and I'm going to spend on the ads to sell that inventory but I'm not going to pay for either one of those right now, right? I'm going to figure that payment out in three months, but I'm going to build up this cash flow so that next month when I do want to do this again, the next month's ability to buy new inventory and buy more ad spend is going to be powered through what I was able to do last month. And basically we're on this cycle right now. We're starting basically it was January where almost everything is on a three to four month delay. So like we just in April paid January's ad spend for Facebook, right? Thanks to partners like Plastic or Parker or Brex. And now we're basically living in like a three to four month cycle at a time. So it's really cool because it's like 
anything we're doing today, we're focused on on the operation of it to be today and selling it today and, and, and buying ad spend today. But we're not talking about actually paying it until probably, if you take it in May, probably August or September. And this gives you almost three to four months at each block to say, hey, I, I know I did this, but I'll figure it out later. And if you're able to then just keep growing, obviously you have to look at your PL, you have to look at your um, overall baseline and be really plugged into your numbers. But what you can do is create a lot of breathing room to grow. Um, and that's what it's been for us. Yeah, I think you touched on something right at the end there that I think is important. I think any entrepreneur or professional that's listening to what you just mentioned, if you don't have a really good sense of like financial management on the most basic level, like you don't have yeah. the understanding of both your ins and outs and you know what's happening with your business, these tools can actually be a, extremely bad for you. And, and yeah. negative, you know what I mean? I, I think there's a, there's a downside risk to, to yeah. this as well, but used in the right manner for the right um, companies, it could be extremely powerful, like you said, because you are giving yourself some breathing room, especially with the current environment with, you know, supply chain issues and your privacy type of things that are happening with iOS and, and trying to overcome some of that and, and exploring new, you know, acquisition channels and, you know, having the ability to extend your cash a little bit longer so you can be in a testing environment and actually buffer yourself for some of these other, you know, kind of challenges, I think is immensely important. It's just a matter of, you know, bringing it back to like, make sure you know what you're doing because it can be like yeah. a payday loan, you know, type of a situation where like, yeah. you know, it's not exactly the same thing, but like you even look at the buy now, pay later type of issues with the consumer yeah. side where like the default rates are way higher because people are not really all that understanding of like their financial picture. They don't really know personally, like how much money they have coming in and how much money they have going out. Um, so it creates a bunch right. of problems. So in the same sense with businesses, you have to really understand that stuff. But if you can, and implement those things together, it becomes super powerful. Yeah, and, and I think you touched on it perfectly. Um, you need to know your unit economics. Um, you need to know on a high level and even on a, on, on a very detailed level, if you were able to basically, in theory, be able to go through the, your same P&L, right, but push off your balance sheet, okay, in theory. That's, that's really what it is here. If you're able to do that, where your cash isn't affected, but you run your business, is buying time beneficial for you, right? Um, because for some people, it may just not be needed, right? You're, you're, you may be converting at cash at such a high stake, why even lose 3%, right? But for most of us, just buying time gives us the ability to explore so many of the things we need to, to get us to a point of making that payment work or making, you know, when we, when that, when that, when that debit does come to make it be available. And, 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 and it just gives you the ability to look and say, okay, I now have the time to go do this. Or like you said, go test this. You know, we want to test trucks and, and, and wrapping trucks through um, platform called agile, right? It, it's going to cost $25,000, but if I had to do that today and pay it in 30 days, like, I don't even know if I'm going to have enough mature data 
to know if I made a right decision. It could be the one of the best things that happened to me, but I really wouldn't even have time to breathe and read the data before I'm worried about that bill. But I'm going to do it and I'm not going to worry about it until October. I'm going to mature my data. I'm going to, you know, let it mature. I'm going to understand if it was a good play or not. And if it wasn't, I'm going to figure out a way to make up that money somewhere else, you know, maybe do a restock or do or pull something else in. But point being, you get to actually analyze your stuff versus, ah, that was expensive. That wasn't worth it. You know, stuff like that. Well, I think all this was super fascinating. You guys have had so much success in the market in such a short amount of time that I think if people were paying really close attention, they would see like so many impressive things that you guys have done over the, you know, in a very short period of, of time. So I want to, you know, again, thank you for your time, Ronan. I appreciate that, Josh. And it was, it was an awesome conversation. It didn't even, uh, I forgot that we were even uh, recording it and, and it, yes. it, 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 it was awesome to, to connect again. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. If you have any comments or questions about anything I discussed during it, open the podcast episode notes and click on any of my social media account links to reach out to me directly. 